Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Tuesday, December 5, and it's... Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Tuesday, December the 5th, and this is Narrative Wars. Well, shockingly, and this time I am not speaking from a satirical tone, the state of Texas has just passed a bill to make illegal immigration in Texas illegal in the state of Texas. I know it sounds tautological and confusing, but we're going to unpack this uh, in this episode. We also have new evidence which is surfacing about how Hamas concealed the October 7th attack against Israel. And Democrat pundit and political advisor James Carville, well, he's warning Democrats that they're about to lose elections major elections in 2024. And finally, the Center for Disease Control, well, they're adopting inclusive language. Boy, aren't we glad. Yeah, in fact, what they're doing is they are erasing the word mother from the English language. Hmm, how's that a good thing? These stories and the bigger picture all on today's episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now... Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired, so tired. Well, greetings everyone, I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and let's just jump right into the first story. Now, it seems tautological, but it is not. Uh, there is a bill that is making illegal entry into Texas illegal. In fact, it's making it a misdemeanor. Now, this is from Fox 4, Dallas-Fort Worth, November 15, 2023. Not satire. Uh, this is a real news report, and we're going to unpack this. One of the bills, SB4, would make it a state crime in Texas to cross the southern border to enter the U.S. illegally. Have all members voted. There have been 83 hours and 61 days. SB4 is finally passed. SB4 would allow state and local law enforcement officers to arrest people for a misdemeanor who get into the country illegally. Democrats have called it unconstitutional and raised concerns it could lead to racial profiling. They also voiced familiar objections that the state was overstepping its authority when it comes to policing the border. Senate Bill 4 is the broadest, most invasive piece of legislation to ever potentially challenge the very nature of our federal and state power. The power to enforce immigration is unquestionably, exclusively a federal power. It is not within our state authority to order the removal of persons unlawfully present. SB4 is a Texas solution to a Texas problem. It's a humane, logical, and efficient approach to a problem created and fostered, again, by the Biden administration's failure and refusal to secure our border. There's nothing unfair about ordering someone back from where they came if they arrived here illegally. 
Now, the nuts and bolts of what is going on here is that the federal government is supposed to monitor the borders. The federal government is supposed to stop illegal immigration. There is a process which exists, believe it or not. There is a process that exists which allows immigrants to legally immigrate into the United States of America. But that's not what has been happening ever since Biden took over. Basically, we've had millions of undocumented, illegal immigrants flowing into the country. And the federal government is doing nothing to stop that. And so the state of Texas is coming up with their own solution in order to curb this reality, which is to call it a misdemeanor if they come into the country without filling out the proper federal paperwork and basically sending them back across the border. So, yes, they have passed a law in the state of Texas and it is making, it effectively makes it illegal to be an illegal immigrant in the state of Texas. It's Senate Bill 4. Now, there's really no need for this bill at all if the federal government would just do their job. But Mayorkas is a complete inept person who refuses to even pick up the laws of the federal government and to enforce them. And the Republicans, I, I don't understand why the Republicans can't even come up with enough votes or at least put forward a strong effort to impeach Mayorkas. So Texas, according to Governor Abbott, Texas is having to step up and do even more to make sure that we deny illegal entry into the state of Texas. Now, Texas is a very large state. It has a very large border. And people are crossing into Texas across parts, portions of the border which are not the points of entry. In other words, they're not the places where the federal government has agents in place. They're just, they're just walking right in because guess what? The wall was never finished. So a couple other things to note here. One, Washington Times, August 16, 2022. Now, what else is coming across the border? Well, we've got drugs, fentanyl, and it's killing Americans. But the federal government doesn't think that that's a problem. Washington Times, August 16, 2022. They noted that just two milligrams of fentanyl is considered enough to kill a human being. This lethal dose and how powerfully lethal, and we've talked about this in past episode, the seizures of illegal fentanyl, and this is just what they captured. I'm sure a lot more fentanyl crossed the border than what they seized. It was enough to kill 470 million people or one and a half doses for every single American. So enough to wipe out the entire population of the United States. But the federal government and Mr. Mayorkas, they don't think that that's a problem. Texas does. And so does Governor Abbott of the state of Texas. 
The state of Texas is addressing these and more issues because the federal government, again, as we've said, they're doing nothing to protect the southern border. Well, they are putting out gaslighting statements saying that immigration is working, the policies are working, we're doing a great job. But this is gaslighting. This is propaganda. And this is absolute nonsense. Many believe that a nation without borders is no longer a nation. This new measure in the state of Texas, SB4, it will be challenged in court. We'll continue to track this story. Now, moving from the southern border, we're going to move to another border, the border in Israel, between Israel and the Gaza Strip. October 7th, the attack on Israel, October 7, 2023. The question remains, how is it possible that Hamas pulled this off? We've all heard about Israel and their military intelligence and the superior intelligence that they have. But it all broke down on October the 7th. How is this possible? We're going to dig into this. Let's take a listen to this first piece. Now, this goes back to October 27, the Washington Post, a few weeks after the October 7 attack. But this was an interview with Shai Asher. He's a security guard. He was a resident at the Kibbutz Kisufim. And basically, a kibbutz is like a family farm. It is a basically a community of farmers. They live within a compound. There's usually a wall around it, a gate. But these gates were breached. Entry points were breached and they were attacked. So let's listen to this and we'll continue this conversation. 6.30 a.m. There is a Tevadom alarm. It's the, the, the sign that tell you, go and find the shelter in the next 15 seconds. That morning, it's a little bit surprising. We are not expecting it. Usually, there are signs that something is going to happen. We have, uh, for the Kitat Konut first responder team, uh, a water group, and it says, uh, guys, this is not usual. Uh, it's not what we are thinking. It's something that is more complicated and complex. We saw around, in total, 70, 80 uh, terrorists in the kibbutz, heavily armed with RPG, with grenades, with PKs, like uh, uh, heavy machine guns. It's not, it's not something that you can handle or you can even understand how it's even possible. Now, many of these kibbutzes are quite small, could be less than a thousand people, a few more than a thousand people. And what we don't understand is that within that kibbutz, they only have four or five armed people at any time. And on duty, you might have, in this case, there was only two part-time security guards. And Shai Asher, age 50, was one of them. But he's living at the kibbutz and He's a part-time security guard. He's armed. And he and another guard were fighting off 70 to 80 
people that were attacking the kibbutz. Now, let's dig into this a little bit more here. He says that they knew exactly what they were doing. They knocked out the phone network. He said everything was broken down, all channels of command missing. They had a flawless battle plan that they executed flawlessly. He says the soldiers that were supposed to protect them, the Israeli soldiers, IDF, they were blind to the unfolding disaster. Why? Because the Hamas terrorists that came in at 6.30 a.m., soon as there was daylight, they attacked the towers, the cell towers, and the communications. They knew exactly where they were. They had spied them out. They had planned it. I'm sure they had taken pictures. They knew exactly where they were to go in order to take out the communications. This was a precise operation. And there were seven military posts across the border. Those were attacked. Seven IDF military posts. They were taken out. Uh, the warning systems were taken out. The communications systems were taken out by snipers, commercial drones, armed with explosives. So this was a precision attack. This is all covered, Washington Post, and it's October 27, 2023, and links in the show notes. But now let's move this up. More information has come out. This is an article, the D Jerusalem Post, December 1st, 2023. And so we ask ourselves the questions, well, how could the Israeli intelligence, the Mossad, others, how could they not understand that this attack was coming? How is it even possible? And this article in the Jerusalem Post sheds some light on that. Security sources estimate that Hamas leaders were aware of the close surveillance by the Israeli intelligence community. And so what they did was they used covert methods to communicate. So they knew that they were being surveilled, so they changed their methods of communication. Now, according to military intelligence in this article, Jerusalem Post, December 1st, 2023, no one understood this, not Amman, Military intelligence, not Shin, Bet, not Mossad, admitted a security official. Otherwise, they wouldn't have left the border unguarded. So the border was not heavily guarded. They didn't, they thought that October 7, 2023 was like any other day. Of course, they were coming off a holiday. And so people were in a festive mood. They were sleeping. It was early in the morning, and that's when they attacked. They attacked like a thief in the night. And in this case, they attacked early in the morning when they did not expect an attack. So how did they do this? Well, again, the article goes on to say that it was a perfect deception exercise and that they conveyed messages covertly. Well, what does that mean? Well, instead of using email, instead of using telephone or text or any sort of electronic communication, most likely they communicated face-to-face -face or maybe even just past 
pieces of paper, notes. Basically, they went off the grid by going low tech. What they did was they just kept quiet and the type of communication that they did put out electronically did not tip off Israeli intelligence that anything had changed. So it was still just sort of the same chatter, nothing going on here when they're listening to it. But in the meantime, they're planning, they're surveilling, they're doing what they need to do in terms of spycraft, using drones or cameras or whatever they need to. People on the ground, they're planning this out meticulously. They knew exactly they were where they were going to go, who was going to go where, and they carried this out. It was a meticulous military operation. But again, they used low tech to communicate between each other, so the Israelis never saw it coming. Well, it's time to once again reach into the Narrative Wars mailbag. And this episode, we're taking a look at a post from Patriot162 and a bunch of numbers after that. COVID-19 pandemic will go down as the greatest genocide and transfer of wealth in human history. It's abundantly clear that the bioweapon vaccines mandates for this common cold virus was a failure of epic proportions and has provably killed and injured more people than the actual virus itself. Those responsible willfully suppressed early treatments mandated injecting this toxic product into half the world's population. Well, thank you for that, Patriot162. You can add your voice to the conversation that stands for liberty and the freedoms that Americans hold so dearly. Join us on social media on both Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R, and Truth Social. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons, and that's Lyons with a Y. I enjoy receiving your feedback and reading some of your comments on the air. And again, you can follow us on Getter or Truth Social. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons. And when you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app, please five-star rate, follow, and send our podcast link to one or two like-minded friends. That's how we continue to expand the Narrative Wars posse. You are the reason why we do this program. And now, let's continue. Moving right along with our next piece, this falls into the category of Democrats are going to lose in 2024. And it's not a conservative or a Republican that's saying this. It's a Democrat consultant. Okay, they're panicking. Oh, they're panicking in those circles. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for showing up. That's enough. This is a piece from Breitbart, December 2, 2023. And the piece uh, highlights an interview on CNN and uh, James Carville was featured in that interview. And he's looking at other countries and trends around the world. And he's saying, hey, look at what just happened in the Netherlands. Look at what's happening in other places like Argentina. There are conservatives that are getting elected to the highest offices of these nations and the politics are changing and this could happen in the United States of America. 
So this is Breitbart, December 2nd, 2023, and this is James Carville, and he's featured in a overtime segment. Uh, it airs on CNN on the HBO show Real Time on Fridays. James Carville was in the show, and he's raising a flag and saying Democrats in the United States could be in big trouble because the progressive Democrat uh, narrative is not working around the world and the Netherlands is a great case uh, because the progressives there just lost. James Carville sees a connection between progressives in other countries and the progressives in the United States of America. Imagine that. So he's putting out the, uh, the flag and saying, hey, we're going to lose in 2024 if we don't change our tune. Let's take a listen to this. And this is cut number three. The election in, in the Netherlands, is that somebody a harbinger for... Do, do you the, want a short, truthful answer? Or yes. Yes. It does. <laughs> okay? It does. It, yeah. Because people... But, but understand this. People like immigrants. Okay? Right. What they don't like is disorder. And when you become the disorder party, whatever it is, you pay a price. So this is uh, James Carville. He's sucking up to uh, Bill Mayer, and this show is aired on CNN. Links are in the show notes. Now, the long and short of it is he's saying these progressive policies are not working and that Democrats are going to lose. They're going to lose big time in 2024. Now, keep in mind, Carville is a pundit. He is a commentator, but he's also a consultant. So, you know, it's free advertising for Carville. He wants to get paid. He wants to connect with people's campaigns uh, as a... Uh, you know, strategist who will help Democrats get elected. So he's not saying this out of the kindness of his heart. Uh, he's saying this in order to give away some enticing, I suppose, free information, which is obvious. It's out there uh, so that he can get hired, so that he can get a gig. The 2024 election season is coming up. Now, let's take a listen, a little deeper dive into what James Carville is talking about. He's saying that there's a problem. He's saying that populism championed by Donald Trump or Argentina's newly elected president, Javier Millet, it's a problem. It's spreading around the world. In fact, this is allowing the far right uh, to gain momentum. This is a big problem. Well, you know, we talked about this in past episodes. The demagoguery, the labeling, the nonsense that the Democrat pundits like Carville use, and they double down over and over. And you see it in articles, you see it uh, with Democrat talking heads. So here it is in the Time Magazine article. They're calling Donald Trump and Argentina's newly elected president, Javier Millet. So the word populist is a bad word. Uh, let's think this through. And we've talked about this in past episodes. So it's better to be elected as a president of a nation and not be popular. 
that, that doesn't make any sense. But if you are elected and you are popular, you're called a populist, and this is a bad thing. That doesn't make sense either. But this is the sort of gaslighting, this is the sort of nonsense that you're getting from Time magazine. And they just drop these terms and people don't question them. So, you know, we're, we're just going to, uh, yeah, I, I think we're just going to have to do it right here. Yeah, there it is. I, yeah, I see it right out there. Yeah, sure enough. Time Magazine flag on the field for you this week. Okay. We, we're not going to put up with that. No. So let's ask ourselves, what is James Carville so upset about? What got Geert Wilders elected in Wednesday's Dutch elections? And here are the far-right crazy things that he campaigned upon. The new president of the Netherlands wants to leave the European Union. He wants the Netherlands to withdraw from the international climate obligations. And he calls for a massive reduction in immigration. Now, the Netherlands is a small country. So if there's massive immigration in a small country, how is the infrastructure going to handle it? Okay, that's one question. But leaving that question aside, if you've been tracking it, the Netherlands has been under absolute assault by globalists, has been a garden of Eden. It has been a farming paradise. And they are very efficient in terms of productivity and yield. And they're not only feeding the Netherlands, they're feeding many other nations in Europe. But the globalists, if you've been tracking it, they've been trying to kick the farmers off their fields, run them out of business, steal their land, and they want to create a new city they want to put concrete over this farming land and they want to create a globalist paradise. There have been protests after protests, Dutch farmers with their farming equipment shutting down roads and thoroughfares and saying, no, you're not taking our family land. This is very similar to what we saw going on in Canada. And so here we have a Dutch politician Geert Wilders, who just got elected, and he's saying, no, we want to pull out of the European Union. We don't want to be subject to this globalist intervention, this globalist domination, this globalist thinking that wants to drive our farmers off the land, and he wants to withdraw from the international climate obligations. You see, they're using... The climate narrative, they're using the climate hysteria narrative in order to say, well, you know, you, you've got farting cows, way too many farting cows in, in this country. We're just going to have to slaughter all your cows and uh, shut down these farms. And uh, so, yeah, that's one of the things they're doing. And so, folks, 
This is where the climate insanity leads. It leads to taking over people's land, kicking them off their land. It leads to power. It leads to tyranny. It leads to corruption, all in order to drive an agenda. And they do it with a big lie because it's easier to tell a big lie than it is to tell a little lie. And Hitler talked about this. He wrote about the big lie in Mein Kampf. And here it is again. Now, Argentina, moving on. This is National Public Radio, also known as National Progressive Radio. November 19, 2023. Buenos Aires, Argentina. What happened there? Javier Millet, and here is the progressive slant in the article. An ultra-conservative economist. Why is he ultra-conservative? Well, because he's not a communist. Because he doesn't believe in the redistribution of wealth. He doesn't fall for the bourgeois proletariat division. He believes in free market economies and the government not controlling the economy, government not crushing the economy with unnecessary spending and inflation. But the article continues. NPR, November 19, 2023. The far-right populist. Oh, there it is again. It's that same wording that we saw in the article from Time Magazine, November 22nd, 2023. Populist. So, wow, he's been labeled as a populist. So, Again, this makes no sense. So it's a bad thing to be elected by a lot of people and to be popular. It's better to, shall we say, steal the election and not be elected by a lot of people and be unpopular. Is that what they're trying to say? I don't really know. But they label him. And this, again, is Javier Millet. They label him as a far-right populist. Why is he far-right? Well, because he said Argentina is in a critical situation. Because he said Argentina is in trouble. It has monumental problems. It has inflation, lack of work, and poverty. And he wants to tackle staggering inflation, which is now at 140%. Now, imagine going to the grocery store over the period of time, let's say a year, and the prices of the groceries in the grocery store are now 140% higher than they were last year. Imagine that. That's what's going on in Argentina. He wants to get rid of the central bank. Well, folks, we got to, yeah, we got to give him a hearty round of applause right here to the new elected President Javier Millet of Argentina. So this is what Millet wants to do. He wants to tackle staggering inflation. He wants to spend less in terms of government programs. Inflation's at 140%. He wants to abolish the central bank in Argentina, which he feels is out of control. He wants to slash Argentina's state spending programs, which is driving up 
that inflation, it, it sounds very similar to the subsidies that occurred during the COVID pandemic in the United States of America and the out-of-control inflation that we've been experiencing in the United States of America. Now, Argentina is a smaller country, of course, and it has gotten absolutely out of control. So this newcomer is now the new president of Argentina. So let's see how that goes. We'll track it, and uh, we're just going to reject this nonsense about far-right populists. I think he is a common-sense politician that wants to tackle some real issues in Argentina, and I wish him the best. Now, we're going to wrap this show up uh, with uh, one more piece in our final segment after that. This piece has to do with the CDC. Uh, that's the Center for Disease Control, also known as the Communist Disinformation Center. Why do I say that? Well, because the CDC uh, wants to destroy the term woman. They want to erase from the English language the term woman. Basically, words are becoming illegal in the United States of America. And they want to change not only the words you speak, but the thinking that is in your mind. Now, this has been in the making for a while. We're going to go back to December 16, 2022, and this is kind of a fun little piece here. This is Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire. This nonsensical, absurd argument that there's no such thing as women, this is a ripple effect, and the waves have been hitting the shore for quite some time. So we're going to go back to December 16, 2022, and then we're going to pick it up with this article in Post Millennial. Links are in the show notes. Let's take a listen to this. Michael, do you know what the leading cause of death for pregnant people is? Pregnant people? Mm-hmm. Mothers? Women? If you'd like to call them mothers, not all of them are mothers, but if you'd like to call them that. What are they if they're not mothers? They're pregnant people. What, what people other than mothers are pregnant? Does it bother you to use inclusive language? Well, it's just I, interesting. I, I prefer to use precise language. It's interesting because <laughs> you come into this conversation, you know, trying to hold this moral superiority. But then when I, I no, when I, I, I try use, to be moral when I can, but I right. But when I use inclusive language, which it only takes a couple extra syllables to use inclusive language, to include and, and who? it seems to include people who don't, you know, identify as women but can become pregnant. So, like a person who's born a woman and then identifies as a man mm -hmm. and is pregnant. Yeah. So you're telling me that in order to be a moral person, I need to accept the idea that a man, someone who is born a man and looks like a man, can really become a woman. That's, that's a, a prerequisite of my being a moral person. So what this person is saying to Michael Knowles is, one, you have to agree with me. Two, you have to change your language. And three, you're not allowed to think critically. There are no more women. There are pregnant people now. So this article in Post Millennial, December 3rd, 2023, now the Center for Disease Control agrees with this person. I, I'm not sure if she's a woman who was a woman or a man who identified with a woman. I don't, I don't know. The point is now the CDC is agreeing with this absurd nonsense. 
So reading from the article, Post Millennial, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, a.k.a. the Communist uh, Disinformation Center, has erased the term woman from its recent health guidelines and has replaced it with gender exclusionary terminology. Well, that all makes us feel so much better, doesn't it? Yeah, because we don't want to offend anybody. It's all about not offending anybody. So uh, specific terms like she, her, women, mother, well, those aren't those aren't uh, permissible anymore. We're going to substitute those terms with more inclusive language like pregnant person and pregnant people, which is what we just heard in the cut we listened to. CDC's decision has since caused backlash according to the outlet with a health organization referring to the changes as dangerous. I would refer to them as more than dangerous. How about mm, nonsensical, absurd, insane? How about uh, destruction of Western civilization? We're going to unpack that. So that's uh, Stella O'Malley, psychotherapist. Uh, She says this is wrong. It's dangerous. According to Stella O'Malley, There was no need to replace the word woman with the words pregnant person. Of course not. So I did a little more digging. I went to the NIH to look at their guidelines. And uh, there's a portion on their website. It says all genders versus both genders. They just accepted the AP style book. That's the Associated Press style book. You wonder why... The New York Times, the Atlantic, the Los Angeles Times. You wonder why they use these terms over and over. We talked about earlier how we see this word populist showing up. We see extreme. We see right wing or far right populist, these types of terms. A lot of this comes right out of the AP style book. Not all of it, but some of it. But in this case, the NIH, National Institute of Health, it's right there on their webpage. And here's what they say, quote, both pregnant women and pregnant people are acceptable phrases, but also acceptable are phrases like birthing people, people with uteruses, especially in public health content, gender neuter terms like pregnant patients, pregnant people, Birth parent or other wording can be applicable. Pregnant teens. These present inclusive alternatives. Now, folks, it's really time, and we've talked about this. We need to throw diversity, equity, and inclusivity out the window. It needs to go on the trash heap of human history because this is going to destroy Western civilization. The quote continues, use judgment and context to determine whether to use pregnant woman, pregnant people, or pregnant patients. Specific phrasing like people with uteruses can be helpful when writing. Transgender and non-binary people are referenced. Phrasing like women and other pregnant patients can provide an inclusive alternative. So, All of society has to change its wording because a very small sliver of society called transgender or non-binary people are being offended. And I'm just going to have to say it right here. No, 
not going to do it. The Associated Press style guide, this is absolute nonsense, and uh, we're saying no. We're saying no. In fact, what this is, this is fifth-generation warfare. We've talked about this in past episodes. This is fifth-generation warfare. Fifth-generation warfare is warfare that occurs without bullets, without tanks, without bombs. Things aren't getting blown up. But in this case, they're trying to change the way you think, and they're doing it by forcing you to speak their words and to speak their language. So the warfare is very real. People really are losing their jobs over this. And the CDC, the Communist Disinformation Center, is pushing this insanity. But what it is, this is our government betraying us. This is our government attacking its own citizens. So we need to wise up. We need to wise up and say, no, I'm not going to let you take over my tongue. I'm not going to let you take over my thinking. I'm not going to agree. And if it offends somebody, hey, that's life. Suck it up, buttercup. That's life. Well, we're going to wrap it up with a few final thoughts here and the bigger picture here on Narrative Wars. The United States is under the most sinister and subtle attack imaginable. Words are now under attack. Inclusion now means that we must throw the idea of motherhood out the window and replace it with pregnant people or birthing persons. While this may sound comical or absurd, it's far more insidious than that. This is an all-out assault on the Judeo-Christian notion that there is a God and that he created men, he created women, mothers, and the family. This is spiritual warfare. The destruction of the nuclear family will not only result in the dismantling of Western society as we know it, but it will undermine the very foundations of American liberty if it goes unchecked. As Alexis de Tocqueville observed, the Americans combine the notions of religion and liberty so intimately in their minds that it's impossible to make them conceive of one without the other. So what they're trying to do, what these communist progressives are trying to do, is they're trying to go inside of people's minds and separate those two. We have it all over our bills and our money. It's right there in our wallet. In God we trust. But no, you can't say there's a woman. You can't say there's mothers because we hate that sort of language. It offends somebody. And we're saying, no, you know, we don't, we don't give a damn if that offends you. Can I say that on that this program? I guess I can. It's my program. So now is not the time to back down. Our words matter. And if conservatives don't push back against the assault upon women and the very idea of motherhood, our nation is certain to slide into chaos. Be strong. Be courageous. Go to the polls. Vote. Write letters to the editor. Get involved. Don't give in. Do not allow others to take a hold of your tongue. Let's do what we can 
and do what we must in order to preserve and keep this republic. Well, we conclude today's episode with these encouraging remarks given by Benjamin Franklin to the delegates at that Constitutional Convention. Franklin said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build us. Therefore, let's celebrate this land of the free and home of the brave, a place where we can still proclaim liberty throughout the land. And that's a comforting thought. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We end today's program with a portion of John Rich's song, I'm Offended. Seems like these days, no matter what you say, someone's losing their ever-loving mind. It's like they're looking for a reason to have their fragile feelings hurt every single time. My country truck, I gas it up. You got your fancy Tesla hooked up to a plug. I know you're mad, you think I'm bad. Cause I'm breathing free at last And you're still stuck behind your mask And I'm offended You're offended Let's all get offended tonight I'll order us a beer We can sit down